What is up, my juggalos and juggalettes? Welcome to the Hex and Cube podcast, a podcast where we talk about tabletop games and the community that gathers around them. I am joined tonight by the five founding members of the Lakes Area Board Gamers. Here, here. <laughs> Everyone say hello. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hey. So, uh, last episode, which was our first episode, I said that I was joined by the other three fifths of the Lakes Area Board Gamers, and that is not entirely accurate, as all of the people that we game with and are in this general area and are also a part of our Facebook group are also members of the Lakes Area Board Gamers. So, I apologize if I excluded anybody. We are simply the founding members. And we're joined tonight by the fifth member who could not make it last episode, John Hansel. Hey. And Gretel. No. Second time. <laughs> Gretel's still dead. <laughs> the, the, the recording actually stopped uh, once we had already done this little intro greeting part. And so all of the jokes that I'm about to make, I've already made once. So there'll be substantially less laughing from this us. time around from them. I will For still laugh. Obvious fake cackling. <laughs> it's got to sound good. So welcome, guys. Yeah, thanks. Glad you could make it. Glad to be here. And yeah. welcome listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. And I do want to say I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I hope that you enjoy the heck out of it. Some news. We are right down to the wire <laughs> for the Lakes Area Game Fest, which is the convention that this group puts on and hosts. This is our second year running. January 4th and 5th, which is like two and a half weeks-ish from the recording of this. And so when this is posted, it will probably be a week and a half out. It's in Okaboji, Iowa. If you are listening to this and you are anywhere near us, please go check out lakesareagamefest.com. And if you want to come, if you have any, in, any interest in attending, I would register immediately. This second, stop listening to the podcast and go register. You might not get another shot. <laughs> We've already had uh, more people sign up at this point than last year, comparatively. And we, oh, had, a, yeah. we had a lot of people register the day of... Uh, at the door, so hopefully we don't have to turn anybody away. Um, that's a bummer, and in some ways a, a good problem to have, but like we want everybody to, to be able to get in and, and have a good time. So if you're interested, go sign up. You guys have anything you want to add to that? Nope. Uh, throw the website out again? LakeSeriaGameFest.com not that is <laughs> maybe the jokes are actually funnier a second time because yeah. it's ridiculous yeah awesome uh, another bit of news by the time this is posted there will be a new 
game review, a written review up on the blog for La Isla or La E. What you? La Isla. La e, Is that actually how it's pronounced? Mm-hmm. La Isla. La Isla. What a uh, what? German. <laughs> Knew it. Yeah. Knew it. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a Stefan Feld game. Stefan Stefan Feld. Uh, it's his. It's, it's no. It's Stefan. It's French. He. Um, it's his. Fa- it's a family game of his. So if, if that interests you at all, go check it out on hexingcube.com. Uh, I think that's all the news that we have. Unless you guys have anything you want to add for uh, anything that we have coming up or. Santa Claus is coming to town. That's right. True. True. Bringing lots of board games for everyone. Ooh, let's Ooh. hope so. John, John told me you you got. Or... Oh, I did. I did the Secret Santa. Yeah. Did you get? Yeah. Something. Yeah. I what'd got, you get? Um, BGG Secret Santa. Brass Lancashire. Oh, come on. And Raiders of the North Sea. So there's there's like a huge thing on online of people from <laughs> Europe and particularly from Great Britain making fun of Americans for mispronouncing. Lancashire. Uh, did I <laughs> Lancashire. Okay. okay, but Lancashire. I think is, <laughs> is actually. <laughs> okay, but the okay the the sauce. Uh, Worcestershire. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I still don't know how to pronounce that. I, just I think you. if you don't, I don't think that that's if you, how you pronounce it. If you it, only it say is. consonants, you'll get it right. It's Worcestershire. We we here in America are really bad at words. Let's just be let's just be honest. We're just real bad with words. So well, we we only mostly speak one language, so. When you yeah. mix in other other true. languages. That is true. That's a, so, that's a fault though. We can if, we can do better. Let's do better. All right. Agreed. So if you are interested in the review of La Isla, you can go check it out. In in two languages, right, Kyle? You're gonna <laughs> yep. post it in two languages. I am, I am. That's what Google translates for. <laughs> so uh, one cool thing, we're gonna move on from the news. That's all we have. It's pretty that was pretty newsy news. Since we are joined by Mr. John tonight, uh, we are going to let him share a little bit of his story since the rest of us got to share our story last time. So, John, why don't you kind of let us know how you got into gaming and, and kind of how that progressed over the years. All right. Uh, let's see. I grew up just naturally competitive, just born competitive. Probably the best born baby at the hospital. <laughs> Pretty sure. Uh, but a lot of my, yeah, t- t- yeah, it's still posted. Uh, but I would make little competitions for myself. I liked sports a lot, so I would like free throw competitions, uh, throwing a tennis ball against the wall, and just seeing how many times I could stop it from hitting the other wall. I just did that all the time. Uh, about age eight or nine, I got uh, Fireball Island for Christmas and oh, okay. uh, a game called. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Torpedo Run, the rubber bands and the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know that game? Yeah. So I just remember playing that with my neighborhood friends. Um, I don't know, it just kind of happened. Um, my parents played Trick Takers every Friday night um, from the from when I was six until college, till my uncle died. They played with my aunt and uncle, and they would play a game called Five Hundred every Friday night. And I would watch, and I would learn the rules, and then I would deal hands to myself and just play play all the hands out uh, because they wow. wouldn't let me play. So, oh, man. Take that, awesome. adults. Yeah. So then uh, college, uh, a girl from college moved to Sioux City and invited me over 
um, to play Settlers of Catan. Yes, I think most board game stories mm-hmm. go this way. There was a girl involved, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, it was like the first, that first version with the busty woman on the cover of the box. Uh-huh. She, you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. Joan knows. Which, that was, which she, was, she was the girl. Settlers of Catan. She was the girl who invited you. Yeah, that you. was her. Yeah, yeah. She was on the box cover or something. Yeah. I'll come. Uh, so I played Settlers of Catan for the first time, and I got that game for Christmas that same year, and I played that game probably 75 times uh, over the next, you know, over the course of the next uh, seven, eight years. Um, the girl's gone. I don't know who that is anymore, but she probably blocked me. She blocked, she blocked me with a robber. That's so Gretel, I think. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of times when those stories end with like a, a child or something, so it didn't end that way. No. There's no like. Not that I know of. Okay. Okay. Worthy because you were the best baby coming. Yeah. That's right. She was. She was jealous. And then my mom had purchased uh, Seven Wonders just on a whim. She was at a local game store and. Your mom did. Yeah. The guy just convinced her. She likes to spend money. He's like, you need this game. She bought it. She didn't know what to do with it. She didn't know how to play it. Uh, she brought it to me and said, "Can you figure this out?" I figured it out. I played with my seven-year-old cousin. Uh, my aunt and then and I played and after I played that out it was just incredible I think I bought four games before I got home that day and ever since then that was the moment I can remember like being addicted to games wow Um, so that's kind of it and then ever since that was about 2000 uh, 2010 is when that happened that's such a that's such a great game too to like tip the scales I think I feel like I I can remember when I played it for the first time and that was one that was definitely a gateway game for me in the mix and settlers too you know yeah um yeah so that's it dude so the the listeners as well as myself have been waiting to hear the story of how you met this group because I could not remember (laughs) At the time of the recording of the last uh, podcast, and so we're just we're all just dying, John. That's just what I do. I we're just waiting. Kind of show my up. way. I show up. Are you, are you, show up at groups. This is actually my seventh group that I'm a founding member. No, you I don't uh, want to know what happened to the other six yeah, groups. They're all dead. <laughs> they're with hands. Uh, Joel was running a, an envoy game at game state and i just happened to see it on vikings Facebook. gone wild vikings right? gone wild yeah. and i showed up uh and kyle you were there but you ducked out right away that's right you had to leave yeah. and joe was there i don't remember if joe played joe, that right? game with mm-hmm. us great joe my and, daughter and did. grace was there yeah. and then i don't know that's just it <laughs> did you come to another one i thought you came to like near and far no i played near and far yeah i played yeah. near and far too and then uh, i was on vacation and joe had sent me a message on uh, BGG about uh, you guys wanted to start a group and I couldn't come to that first meetup because I was in Michigan but then the next monthly meetup I came and that's I think the rest is the rest is history <laughs> as they say wow yeah. that's it so a dude found a bunch cool. of dudes and yeah and then we dude it yeah. <laughs> we dude it up yeah in the city in the mm-hmm. city mm-hmm. <laughs> wow that's interesting that's did it. you so did you come to like a like a monthly meetup? Yeah, I remember the first one we played upstairs at Game State, and like Paul was oh, there. Oh, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot about, about that it at that point. Yeah, yeah. there were probably about fourteen people there that first one. And when did you make it into the the tight knit circle of the home the home game nights? He knew he was already in from the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just had to wait for us to figure it out. That's right. Yeah, I think. 
Uh, I played a game at your house, actually. We played, uh, oh, I can't remember now. I think Mike and Joel were here. Hansa. Was it when we, we were sitting Han- right here? Hansa. We played right here. Hansa upstairs. Teutonica. Yeah, yeah, was. Hansa. That's a good first game to, to play with. And then you brought Ethnos. We played Ethnos. Oh, yeah. That's when the, joy, the moist and dry jokes started coming Oh, <laughs> right away. That's yeah. the theme stuff. Theme I, right. used, I used the phrase dripping with theme on our uh, yeah. Facebook group this week. With somebody. Nice. And I start, we're start letting the world know some of our humor here. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that's it. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. You're wrong. Anyone have any questions for John? I was just going to say, you you uh, you mentioned your mom. Like, <laughs> Whoa. All right. Whoa. That was it. Yeah, that's all Joe had to say. Seven, seven Wonders. Like, she, she's kind of in the game she too now, right? She is one of the Seven she's, Wonders. Yep. She, uh, we played... Her favorite game is actually Orleone. Uh, oh, wow. So that's, if I bring games, she's like, did you bring Orleone? Dang, son. Interesting. Uh, Your so, mom's got good tastes. Yeah. Yep, that's her. My mom tasties. can't she would play Sushi Go. Yeah, she doesn't like sushi. She doesn't like sushi. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so she'll play any game. She'll try anything that I bring. But. That's awesome. That's nice. great. Do you hear that, moms listening? You got to step up your, your game. You got to step up your game game. Play some other stuff other than Uno. Rummy Q. Yeah. yeah. Alright, well cool. That's great. Let's move on to our game night. Yeah. This uh, our most recent game night was our monthly meetup. So as I mentioned last episode, this group hosts a monthly game night at our local game store. And it's the first Saturday of every month. And by golly, this last weekend was the first Saturday of the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little bit of a smaller turnout than than the huge. How many did we have? We had like eight or nine. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. which is pretty eight. Sorry. Yep, yep. Uh, Mike was not able to to make it. He was at a work Christmas party. A work Christmas party. I think that you played some games there, right? We did trivia. <laughs> trivia. <laughs> yeah. Was it like like a? It was like I feel like they just pulled questions out of a trivial pursuit box and nice. rolled with it. Nice. Did it did it like turn into like a drinking trivia game? For some people, it was before <laughs> that. <laughs> it seems like at work Christmas parties, that's just how it goes. Yeah. Whatever game you're going to bring out, it's going to turn into a drinking game. Yeah. Some people aren't festive what. unless there's alcohol involved. It's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> but the rest of us were there, and it was a great... I thought it was a great night. There were, we played some good games. We There were great games being played. So uh, some of the games that we played, we played Lorenzo Il Magnifico. We played half of Maracaibo. Didn't quite finish that. Um, some of the guys played Crusaders. They will be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some Railroad Ink in. You played, Deep Joel, you Madness. played Deep Madness. I saw... Um, Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter. That was mm-hmm. the other Longest one. Night was being played. I think that was about it yeah. for the night. That was it. Yeah. That was it. So, uh... Why don't you Why don't you shed a little light on uh, Deep Madness? Did you What did you think? It, of it? it was good. It's a it big. Was, that was a big game. It was very big. There was like four boxes. He had backed 
a lot. I think he did like a deluxe package or something. He had a lot of expansions or a lot of minis, which were really cool. They were cool looking minis. And the game was funny. They took a lot of um, video game characters and changed their names. So if anyone's familiar with Dead Space with Isaac Clark, they just changed his name to like Philip Clark, but it clearly looks like you're playing Isaac Clark. <laughs> and then they have like Sigourney Weaver and Alien, but they called her like Amanda Weaver. Now I'm totally, I don't know what the actual names were. The last names were all the same. It was, it was funny. Amanda Hug and Kiss. <laughs> there you go. We there nice. you go. <laughs> no, but it was really, it was, I, I liked how one of the, uh, the guys I played with, he's just like, you know, I just feel like chucking dice right now. And I'm like, you know, I think I feel like chucking dice too. And just experiencing this game, so it was good. It was really fun. It, it was actually pretty difficult with three people. It was a co-op. Yeah, co-op game. Okay. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know anything about the game. Yeah, well, I I remember seeing it on Kickstarter, but I didn't go really into it because I'm kind of getting out of that whole mini bunch of minis phase. But it was mm. still interesting. I'm pretty, pretty sure good. he had like a wardrobe full of minis. Like he brought his. <laughs> It, it was, was a lot. Yeah. There were a lot of minis. There were a lot of boxes, a lot of minis. He actually had to um, park his trailer in the alley because it wouldn't fit on the street. So <laughs> All they, the mini the trailers. Yeah, the, uh, the U-Haul Good minis. Good old mini Got to make sure you have the lift gate, too. You know? mm -hmm. Don't want to mm -hmm. hurt your back. A hand truck. <laughs> well, you guys also played Crusaders. Yeah, Crusaders. Like it's the, a um, Seth Jaffe. TMG publishes that one. And... Uh, I, I got the deluxe deluxified edition. I couldn't help myself. It's oh, just, just cool. those double layer recessed player boards and Ooh. metal coins for John. Yeah. Someone pull John down. You know, it's just... get him a bucket of <laughs> bucket of cold water. Oh yeah, Crusaders is awesome. Um, play this is like your how many plays have you got of it now? Uh, probably five or six. Yeah, something like That's that. Pretty good. It's a good, good hand twice, and I wasn't even there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we've we've got a good half dozen plays in probably by now. Yeah, it's a great game. Have your um, thoughts changed at all nope. from the nope. earlier plays to? Nope, I still love it. I think I I, th I probably have it rated at about a nine on BGG. Wow. Um, eight or nine, and yeah, it's it's great. Um, it's it's a it's a really solid play time in my opinion. About sixty minutes, I would say roughly, and I think that. You can get a four-player game in in about an hour still. You know, we, we played a two-player game on Saturday, so it was maybe a little less than that. But right in that 45 minutes to 60 minutes range is really great. For what you're doing, it feels like a bigger game than it takes to play in yeah. terms of time. Um, it feels like a, an hour and a half or a two-hour game session. And there's variable player powers at setup. Uh, you get to draft your, your order of knights and each order has a has a variable power. Um, I a correction. You don't draft them, but you get two and you pick one. Mm. And then there's a there's a rondelle, and you're taking actions using a a, a mancala uh, mechanism on this rondelle of of actions that you basically can upgrade. Um, you're mm. moving your your knights across the board and building buildings. And every time you build a building, you get an upgrade on one of your actions. Um, and then you're just trying to gain influence and there's a little bit of combat in there, but not combat against other players So there's not really much take that if any I don't think there's really any take that in it It's pretty solitary other than there's a really minor thing where because Thematically speaking in the Crusades all these different orders of knights are actually friendlies. You're not actually mm -hmm. Fighting any of your opponents in the game. You're fighting these other enemies these other armies that are the on, non -believers. on the board mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh because of that, 
you can you can go in and conquer an enemy off a of space, which clears it and allows you to construct a building there, typically at a discount, and then someone else can go and stand on the same space that you just cleared, and then they can take that build advantage out from under you. So that's the only yeah, they really, really, really minor thing. But it, it's it's I think it's less of a take that and more of a pay attention and use it strategically to yeah. your advantage type of a thing. So yep. if you want to, you can just go across the board conquering and not really focus on building and you can allow someone to come in and sweep those out from under you and not really care. And if you do care, then get far away from them and don't build close to where they can reach, you know? So, but it it's a, very, it's a, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's very tactical. Yeah. I've only played it one time and I got destroyed and I don't understand why I got destroyed. And so I really want to play it again <laughs> so I can try to figure out why I lost so, so bad. So. Yeah, that's a fun game. I would I would recommend it, and I would say it's a good middleweight game. You know, I would pull it out for people that are just kind of getting into the hobby and, and finding their finding their likes and their tastes. And I would play it with seasoned veteran gamers alike. It's awesome. Speaking of medium weight games, we played Lorenzo <laughs> Il Magnifico. This was this was our first play of this game. Uh, I had just recently got it, and was very excited to play it and, and teach it. Man, so I think on, on BGG I have two games that I've rated a nine, and this is one of them. What's the other one? Just I curious. don't remember. Oh, Teo. Oh. oh. Teo Tehuacan. Really? Yeah. yeah, that was my other nine. Dang. Um... So, yeah, I thought that Lorenzo was awesome. If, if you're not familiar with this, like I said, it's a medium-weight game. So if you're, if you're into medium-weight Euros, definitely you got to try this game at some point. But basically it's a you know, renaissance game where you're uh, doing a little engine building. There are towers in which cards will come out that make up your engine. There's some dice, but they are not... Uh, assigned to each individual player. There's a common pool of dice that's rolled, and they are associated with each player's uh, worker. So each player has four workers, three that are a part of their family, and then one that's considered a neutral. And each of those workers is associated with one of the colors of dice that you roll. And so you might roll, and you'll have a three, a five, and a one, and the orange worker then might be the three, the white worker might be the whatever, five, and, and so on. And so depending on what those numbers are, your workers can take different actions because each action space requires a different value of pips on the die. And so you are, you're doing lots of different things. You're trying to acquire these cards to, to build up your engine. You're trying to increase uh, your faith. So there's a, this church... Vatican system in the game where there's three tiles that are randomly drawn at the beginning of the game and they are negative effects. So if you are not able to get to certain points on this faith track at certain points in the game, you have to put your colored cube on one of these negative effects and then for the rest of the game, you suffer from that negative effect. And so you're trying to... But you can also get like a lot of points on that track, which we kind of realized... Halfway through the game, we're it's like, oh, yeah, well, it's it's weird because you're like, okay, I, I want to do this faith track because I don't want to suffer these negative consequences, at least some of the time. Some of the times you do. Some of the times it, 
the negative effects don't necessarily don't affect, affect the strategy that you're going for. Yeah. So it might actually be worth it to take that. But but that's when you first play the game, that's your initial thought is, I just don't want this negative thing. But then you start to get into the game a little bit more and you realize that like, oh, the farther I get down this track, there's actually a lot of points down here. So you're working with that track. Uh, most of the points, I think, come from the cards that you have for your engine. I would um, say so. Yeah. But it's it's very tactical. Me and John talked about this. It's it's very you you really have to pay attention to what your opponents are doing, not even just on that individual round or that individual turn. But for example, me and Joel had similar strategies mm -hmm. and so we spent like the entire game fighting over these certain cards which i think kind of hurt both of us in the long run oh it hurt me most yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, th I think so but uh i i thought that it was it was great i don't i don't normally like uh you know games with a lot of take that or, or games that are like overly brutal in terms of the player interaction and i felt like the, the game, there was definitely direct player interaction. I mean, it was a traditional worker placement in that when you placed a worker in a space, for the most part, nobody else could take that action. There were a couple spaces that someone else could take that action, but they would have to take it at a disadvantage. So in that sense, there was a lot of interactivity between the players because you're blocking people and, and you know doing things that directly affected other players. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I enjoyed the game. I'm excited to play it again. I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it was really fun. It was enjoyable. Um, yeah, I sat down to, to play in the beginning and then ended up vacating my seat to go jump in a game with somebody else. And, uh, I'm glad I did that, but I'm, I'm definitely wanting to get a play in on that too. Cause just going through the rules and then getting the first turn in, it looked, it looked really awesome. Yeah. It was fun. It was interesting. I definitely am going to do things differently the next time. <laughs> yeah, which I, I think that whenever a game, whenever you finish a game and you can look back and see what you should have done better or, or what you could have done better or maybe even like realized the other paths that you could have taken. See, that's what I noticed is that I wonder if the game encourages you to take a different path mm. and see how many points you can get because like, we were competing for the green or the forest or whatever it was. Yeah. Where it's like, part of me was thinking, man, I should have just left that and gone a different strategy completely. Because that's John. You went a completely different strategy. You never got blocked. Like, hardly ever, right? Yeah. I could so it's that. like, I yeah, wonder... We were never really fighting over stuff with, with John. Yeah. No. Right? I got the purple tower whenever I felt like it. <laughs> yeah. It was a breeze. Just a breeze yeah. of a game for John. I got second. But yes, it was a breeze. <laughs> this is a, a family-friendly podcast, though, so maybe we shouldn't talk about any purple towers. I don't even know what that means. I, I can make that dirty if I wanted to. We just can never reveal a grande then, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that. That was grande. I mean, that, that's an innuendo in and of itself. We don't even have to try hard. It's just... It's, oh. Yeah, don't try well, hard. I know. I, I knew that was... I knew that was... Yeah. Uh, you can probably do a whole podcast on El Grande. Or innuendos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. Easy. <laughs> Yeah, John, John had a, an interesting observation uh, with Lorenzo. Just how weighty the randomness of the how the cards come out can be. Uh, so uh, I think we both agreed that 
there are ways to plan for that with multiple plays. I think when you... So, one thing that's cool about the game is that the same cards are used every game, and they all will come out. They may come out at different times, and they may come out at different values, which that's the weight that John's talking about, that during certain turns and certain rounds, um, the where a certain card is in terms of its cost may be prohibitive to certain players and not to others, which sometimes doesn't feel the greatest. Yeah. Is that is that kind of what you're... Yeah, were? yeah. Well, the first play especially, not knowing what cards were coming and what the costs were going to be. Yeah. You could kind of infer and, and guess that they were going to get more expensive, but you really had no way of knowing. And but then I think, the placement, too. Yeah. So you could so, have a card you need up at the most expensive spot. Right. Yeah. Or at the cheapest spot. Yeah. So yeah. it's like... Yeah, there aren't different how do you decks... Plan for that? There aren't different decks of cards for the different basically yeah. values of how how worth how much worth they are yeah. so yeah they, like, basi- yeah, they basically games, lump like it's the, what age i think they do it in ages eras, I think. Or eras yeah i think eras the first second and third era and obviously within that they have kind of a system of the cards get better through each era mm-hmm. but within those kind of you know their own decks the era decks like you could have a card that's for your strategy garbage you know be lower or higher on that scale or something that you really need lower or higher on the on the you know the tower and yeah it's not you know it's that's that's a level of randomness that um for some people's taste that you know that that might turn them off well i feel like the turn order and then the more the extra workers that's how you mitigate that that's what it i is. gathered so you want to plan to have extra workers or get first in turn order it's, it's really interesting. That's that is, why I want to play it again. Yeah, that's part of the mitigation, exactly, yeah. is, is being able to control turn order and also having these little servants, which are yes. just little tokens that you can spend to increase the value of uh, one of your workers, letting you then take a more expensive action. So, yeah, we'll be back in an hour. We're going to play Lorenzo <laughs> right now. <laughs> and then we'll come back. So that was, it, was, it was great. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, we also, I think the other the other game that we should mention that we played was Maracaibo. Gotta mention Maracaibo. We, mm-hmm. we gotta mention it. It's a it's a a P-fister design. <laughs> Fe- feister. Oh, P-fister. oh, Feister. That's what it is. Capstone game. Excuse my pronunciation. <laughs> Uh, really not yeah, good that whole Feister. English <laughs> words. English. Hard. I know I'm not, help, well. I'm yeah, not helping, helping our the yeah. stereotype at all. Uh, so we, like I said, we played half of a game, which was a riveting half, might I say. Yeah, yeah. There's I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys right. comment on it. Well, Mark Kaibo, um, Alexander Fister has made uh, <laughs> a lot of games. Um, Great, great Western Trail is one of our favorites. Uh, Joe and I really like to play GWT. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some other, like, uh, Broom Service and just a ton of games that, that I own and enjoy. Mombasa, mm-hmm. Blackout Hong Kong. And Maracaibo is kind of a... It's a combination of a lot of mechanics that he's been playing with the last couple of years. And it's kind of like like a stew of mechanics almost. I it's mean, a hybrid car. yeah. I don't know that analogy, but um, <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot going on. It's, it's like a it's like a rocket with with a Sebring engine at the front, 
Yeah, with, yeah. A, with a seagull. And a, yeah. It's like if you mix a rocket and a seagull. A, se- a seagull's wings <laughs> and Steven Seagal's like Ooh. kick punch ponytail and ponytail wait what's a kick punch that sounds awesome that's like where you when you jump and kick and punch, punch at the same the time on the same level oh, oh that's so bad. yeah i'm gonna steer the ship back <laughs> to maracaibo pun intended so, so i think we just are... real quick i think that because it's kind of a, a soup of yes mechanisms i felt like the the learning the game there was a little bit of a, a barrier to entry there. Yeah. Because I felt like some of the mechanisms weren't necessarily intuitive, um, and they weren't always necessarily, like, they didn't jive well together. Or Not that they, like, fought against each other, but it wasn't, it didn't seem maybe as interconnected as some of his other games. And so the learning the game took a little bit more uh, mental energy to, to learn yeah, the game. Yeah, I, I think... As and that's we, not a bad thing. No, I actually no. love that. Yeah, I, I as, enjoy that. But. As we sat down, you, you basically only have... You can move your ship one to seven spaces. Uh, and then the space that you land on is... It's action selection in a way. Everybody can go to the same space, but the space that you land on is the action that you take. And usually the action just kind of tells you what you can do. Um, it's just knowing which of the seven spaces you want to land on. But when you get there, it's like, this is what I can do when I land on the each space. Seven space. Each space have a different mechanic then, or...? Um, kind of. There's cities that you can land on or villages. And s- yeah, villages have like generic actions that you can take up to three. Um, and then cities, you do the city action that's at the city that you've landed on. Which and then it different. And then it kind of further complicates too because then you have story tiles which change the village actions when they go out on the board. So then those spaces have different actions. And then you have... The assistance combat. or or whatever yeah, they're called the combat. combat was yeah. confusing to me that system I, I understand it now but like yeah it was it was just kind of a uh i don't know if clunky is the right word but it, it felt a little bit clunky well what i was gonna say kyle to your comment earlier is that it it's it feels it felt like a, a combination of systems and mechanics that hasn't been done before or sure isn't done often so like what you said when you play games when you play a lot of games or you play a lot of euro games or a lot of a particular type of game and you have a sense for how they come together and that makes it easier for you as an experienced gamer to to learn new games because you kind of intuitively know what to look for and and how to interpret things this made that process different but like you said not necessarily in a bad way just in a okay i have to really think and pay attention and then once you got past that barrier I think everything gets exponentially easier. Sure. And that's kind of what I've read online anyway so far is that people who were turned off by or or, or um, confused by Great Western Trail or some of his other games or some other Euros in general, maybe they, they found this game to make more sense and be more intuitive once they kind of got over that. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. I would say if, you're, if you play it, we didn't, for a first play, I think you just, you don't take optimal moves. You just yeah. do what you can. Yep. And I think we were trying to play to win that first game, and it was taking too long. That was a bit of a mistake, maybe, yeah. We should have just played to learn it. And, uh, Which is, I think, hard for this group, though. Yeah. I mean, or, a lot or of most us... groups. I said generally, I don't think we have too hard of a time grasping most yeah. concepts. We, so when we run into that, it becomes confusing, I think, for exactly. everybody at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. You can't say this game is like this game. It's, it's yeah, its own, its own beast. So Yeah. And the player boards, I thought, like... Once I learned the game and started to understand the importance of being able to do certain things, 
the player board began to make a little more sense, but the way that it's laid out on the board is, I still think it's really, like, confusing, and there's just, like, these, like, tree, like, it's almost like a tech tree thing kind of going on on, like, half of the board, and then there's, like, other random things that you can, and it, it just was, is, like, when you first look at it, you're like, I have no idea what's happening here. Yeah. The biggest thing it suffers for from, too, I think, is just the fact that there's so much going yeah. on, and it's packed into a, a, a constricted player board. You know, they can't make the player board, you know, the size of a placemat, <laughs> yeah. but they should, because that, that would make it easier to see and, and interpret. Um, Bring your wardrobes and your U-Hauls. Yeah. But the biggest thing we didn't mention yet that adds to the learning curve of the game is the multifunction cards. Yeah. And and there are so many cards and there are so many functions to the multifunction <laughs> facet of the cards that it just takes a while, I think, on that side of the game to, to, to get through the cards. The actions and the movement, I don't think, are ultimately as as involved yeah, as, as the cards are. Yep. So that's probably the biggest thing is, uh, is just... Just kind of getting a handle on the cards and how the multifunction aspect of them work. Are you a pirate in the game? What's the theme of the game? Yeah, you're pirates. The balloons are the currency. Okay. The balloons. Dab. But it's not. It's not like. It's not like the uh, Hollywood. <laughs> it's not like the Hollywood version of a pirate, though. There's no like. You're not like running around, swashbuckling, destroying other ships. You're not terrorists. Like, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're not Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Epitome. It's, it's more of like a historical uh, perspective on a pirate. Would you agree with I that? Did, yeah, I didn't read the introduction. Even though it's a story-based game, it's still pretty dry. And Is it sure. pretty thematic? How is the it's, theme tied it's to not the it's, it's not wet. It's not. Yeah. It's not dripping. It should be wetter being a game based in the sea. <laughs> but it's, it's fairly dry. <laughs> it's like Boy. ships oh in the desert. No. Sure. Wait. No. Yeah, That's desert ships. Wait a second. Desert storms. This isn't Mario Kart. <laughs> So yeah, it was good. And all of this is on half a play, so you know. Yeah. Exactly. We played, yeah, a, we played exactly one half. And that's with Joe kind of rushing that. Because you can rush to the end. I mean, you can go one to seven spaces, so there could be a player that... It's similar. It takes like... You could get to the end in, I think, three turns if you went seven spaces every time. Wait, is that the, that's the timer? Like you could yeah, the, the round the timer is yeah. When so somebody lands in the the final space. I can't it's similar to Great Western Trail. It's similar, mm-hmm. but the difference is in Great Western Trail, it's it's kind of a true rondelle in the sense that you just keep going around and around and around, and you move as fast as you want to move, and that's not influenced by any of the other players. In this game, once someone reaches the end of the track, basically everybody stops. You do a, a an interim scoring phase, and then everyone resets back to space one. Yeah. So if you didn't oh. make it towards oh, the end yeah. of the track yet, you don't get to keep going. You have to reset back Go to back. the first phase. Oh, man. So it sounds worse than it is because it's not like you're building up to better and better actions, and then whoever rushes and gets there first screws everybody else over. Because that would turns probably yeah. or less actions. It, it, but you always know what is available to your opponents. You know what I mean? So it's not like it's not like, oh, it's a surprise that Joe just got to the end. Well, he was within seven spaces. That's right. That's one of his no, options. You, can, yeah, you, you totally. know that, like, yeah. you know what's happening. So it's, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to play a full game of it. I really want to get it to the, to mm-hmm. the table again and, yep. and play a full game. So another P-Fister. That was good. So, yeah, so that was, I mean, that was pretty much game night. Yeah. Right? We had a good time. That was it. Awesome. That was it. 
Did anybody want to mention Railroad Inc? Oh yeah. Oh Railroad Inc. Yeah, that was another game. that was another game that got played. That I was actually kind saw of, you playing did. that and I was gonna leave Lorenzo and play Railroad Inc. and then come back to Lorenzo. So we did play that one <laughs> other time. But, yeah, so. Railroad Inc. is a fun game. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty quick roll and write. It's played over seven rounds and it's basically um, everybody builds a network of railroad tracks and roads that can connect or overpass and underpass one another. And those networks are built off of the same roll of the dice. So all players, you roll four dice, and there's uh, too many expansions included with the game. So if you include one of the expansions, it becomes six dice. You roll all the dice, and then all players look at the die faces, and whatever network, uh, whatever path is shown on the die, on the dice, you have to draw those paths on your player board. And you're just trying to create a network and connect it up to as many exits on the board as possible. And there's about five different ways you can score. And the game supports, I think, up to six players. It's even a solo. I think it's one, one to six. There's a Sorry, guys. There's a dog. Our neighbor's dog oh. is out, and it's super annoying. And nope. You won't hear it. Yeah. We, it, we could, but if you don't hear it, just know that there's a dog barking. And if my neighbor's listening to this, you should probably make sure your dog doesn't bark so much. <laughs> I bet he is. He's... he's a closet gamer, I bet. Someone needs to invent a muzzle for dogs that's like noise-canceling headphone technology. So whatever the dog barks into it, it just cancels all noise. And then no sound comes out. And for children. You can do that with guns. <laughs> yeah, and you can and you can launch it out of a bazooka. So like you can shoot it at your neighbor's dogs and it just woof, attaches to, to their, their face. face. Yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. Oh, it'd be great. Sorry to interrupt you, Joe. It was just no. it was really annoying. <laughs> yeah, you could probably just cut that whole part out. I'm not going to though. I just because I hope that my neighbor is listening. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's basically the game and uh, yeah pretty fun it's a good one for filler or if you got a group of people we can probably make a nice little transition here into yeah. games the next yeah. for speaking, speaking of fillers Smooth. our topic for tonight is games that we like to play with non-gamers and i want to preface this with a statement that the term non-gamer is not meant in any way uh, to be derogatory or some kind of a negative thing. It simply means, so my definition of a non-gamer is somebody who does not actively pursue playing or purchasing hobby games. My definition is someone who doesn't yet realize that they love board games. <laughs> <laughs> so so we are, are talking tonight about games that we enjoy playing with people that uh, you know, have different hobbies than us that, you know, we're just hanging out with them. Maybe it's family, maybe it's some friends that aren't into to gaming the way that we are, but are willing to play a game and try something new. What are some games that works for us? So does anybody want to jump in and, and start us off? So many, so many to choose from. Yeah, John, how about you start? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Since okay. you're the, you know, okay. the, the newest. Um, well, I just, I have some notes. I, uh, I think... By nature, most games that I play with non-gamers, I actually 
Let me go back. I don't associate with non-gamers. <laughs> <laughs> so. So pass. No, okay. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, most of the games I play with non-gamers are word games, cooperative games, um, variants of classic games, might be communication style games, and then Sushi Go. <laughs> so was, maybe it would be helpful for us to maybe list some things that we look for in in games to play with non-gamers like what what are some okay. characteristics of games that would make them you know well suited for playing with non-gamers so uh easy entry so the game just one is a is a current one that my family is in love with um it's really simple you write down just one word to help somebody guess just one word from a card. So you can use the title of the game to really teach it. And you can teach that game in, in one minute, and you can be off and playing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, with the way the clues are written on these little um, whiteboard-type things, um, you can only use just one clue. So if two people write the same clue, if, if two people match, those clues are taken out of the game. Um, so that one is that's been a big hit with everybody that I've introduced it to. Yeah, just one is so great. <clears throat> I have a couple family members who who never play games. They always say I don't like games. I won't play games, and they'll play just one. And like you said, it's that easy barrier to entry, and also the fact that I think it's it's not because it's cooperative. There's not that fear from mm. people that are competitive and don't like losing, so yeah. therefore I won't do something competitive so that I don't have to lose. I have a couple of those in my family, and you don't have to worry about that. Jump in, have a good time, it's easy, it's quick. We- yeah, I actually just recently uh, played just one with two separate groups. One was a group of totally non-gamers, and then the other group was uh, ha- kind of half and half. There were some light gamers there, people that were maybe newer to the hobby, and then some non-gamers and I don't disclaimer I don't own the physical box version of the game but I know how the game works and so I cut up some pieces of paper and we played the game without the box Um, but both groups loved the game so I third that that game I I think that that works really well with non-gamers we've been to a couple my wife's in musicals and and I've been going to cast parties with her, and I'll bring games along. And one of the games that I've been bringing is called Monikers. Okay. And Monikers is a great game for creative groups. Um, it's, again, easy to teach. Uh, it's made up of each player gets eight cards, and they pick five. And the cards have a description. It might be like uh, Prince or something. And then it will have a description of Prince. So in round one, everybody takes these cards that they've all decided together and i'm trying to get my team to guess prince like any classic you know word guessing game what are you saying like prince prince like, like the prince musician prince the music okay yeah yeah okay. musician <laughs> not like it could be dog prince it could be anything um but you if you don't know how to if you're not good at those kinds of games it actually you can just read off the card you need like a musician from minneapolis okay um so that's round one you go through all the cards round two you use the exact same cards but you can only say one word so maybe I get Prince, and I might say Minneapolis, and then people guess it. And then after round two, you put all the cards back together, and then round three, you can only act out okay. the words. And that one's been a big hit. I've actually, I'd say, sold two or three copies of that game since going oh, to man. different parties. People just get on Amazon and order the game. 
or our local game store, Game State. You can call them up and get it too. But isn't uh, there like a secret fourth round to the game that you can play for Super Die Hard? I do not know of that. I don't have that expansion. I remember watching the Shut Up and Sit Down review of the, of Monikers, and they went through like a fourth or fifth round, even where you literally just sit still and look at people, and they try to guess based <laughs> on your expression. You just wow! <laughs> you, you, like you have to make a facial expression only, or something ridiculous. And yeah, so th- that one's been a, a big hit. That's cool. Good. So what what about that game? Do you feel like you enjoy? Because uh, as I said in in the previous uh, episode. You know, most of the games that we generally like to play as a group are are not these kinds of games, generally. Not party games. I don't not think party we've played a word not... game or a party game. Exactly. No, so we, we, we and, and honestly, we generally tend towards heavier games as a group. Mm-hmm. We, we usually swim somewhere in the medium weight, and occasionally we'll dip into something heavier. Um, so what what is it about monikers that you can tolerate you know that that makes it well, so it's engaging for you as somebody who is into more complicated games yeah um i think i have a moniker story from every game i've played of monikers there's always one moment okay that becomes a memory and i think that's <laughs> cool it's awesome and you can share that with people like people i don't know very well i can see them in public and be like oh i remember monikers and there's this connection just from that game so i think Ooh, that's a big part of awesome. it. that's really cool that's good <clears throat> so one one game that I have had some success with with non gaming groups, and I, I think one thing that's important if if you're looking to find some games to play with non gamers, I think it helps to kind of analyze the group that you're going to be playing with oh, a little sure. bit because even if there's a group of non gamers, they may have kind of an aptitude for a little bit more of a, a complex rule set. Or, or something like that, you know? So you, you have to kind of uh, gauge the group a little bit. Each group is going to be different. What game is going to connect with them is going to be different. But um, Spice Road, Century Spice Road, I've played that a couple times with groups of non-gamers, and both times it went over great. Uh, both, both of the groups had people in them that were a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more intellectual. They enjoyed you know, deeper things, whatever. So they they took to it pretty naturally and they enjoyed uh, how they... Because that game is so... It's so maybe what we would consider elegant. And it's very simple. You know, you're just... You're you're getting resources, you're converting those resources, and you have uh, some, some hand management that, that you have to do. Uh, but it... I feel like it feels like you're doing something really meaty but it's so like elegant and streamlined that it, it you know it's easy for for non-gamers to pick up so that's been a game that that i've had success with and i i like to bust out because i enjoy it uh because i again i f- i feel like i'm doing something i feel like i'm making meaningful decisions uh but everybody can can get it and get it quickly we can jump right into it and it's not a lot of questions after that initial teach so yeah. I was going to say something similar to you in terms of analyzing the group, and, and I've had experiences with certain groups or certain people where I, I just kind of knew that they wanted something that was really light and kind of party in the party realm mm. of a party game, so we described a couple of those, or, or something really thematic, because to them that's what a game is or should be. Um, and then I've had people that 
were in, would be interested in something that was pretty abstract. And mm. for me, Azul is a really great option for that sort of abstract group, um, people that want a little bit of strategy, um, but it's still easy to teach and it's, it's entry level enough. And I think similar to Century Spice Road, it has that feeling of you're doing something meaningful and big without having to have the thought space that mm. normally accompanies those heavier, weightier, meatier games. Yep. Um, and uh, there's, just, there's just something about a gaming experience that can be really tactile yep. that, that impacts people. Yep. And certainly it, 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 it's, it, it's worth bearing in mind whether there's kids involved or adults and, and sort of what the mm. makeup of the group is. But, um, I, I mean, I've had success with 8, 10, 12-year-olds with Azul um, as well as adults. And those really chunky, I think, porcelain tiles, yeah. um, so satisfying, sticking your hand in the bag and throwing them <laughs> around and grabbing a bunch of them out. And, yeah, I mean, they you know, look so edible. <laughs> Um, you know. Yeah, Azul looks beautiful too. I mean, it I is. think that that's uh, a component of uh, games that you're looking to play with non-gamers. I think that the visual appeal of the game can be really important too. Yeah. If if you're bringing out Hansa Teutonica, well, first of all, that game is probably out of their depths in terms of the rule set. But I mean, it looks like the most boring game ever. To, to most people, I would yeah. say, you oh, know, yeah. they're, they're gonna they're gonna be like turned off right away. But with Azul, it's you know got this, it's got beautiful colors and it's just it, it looks like a game you would want to play. And yeah, non gamers are pretty stupid, so they don't like <laughs> they just see like oh colors like and they and they'll gosh. and they'll get the game. Yeah, so I, that makes sense. That's kind of what I look for. Like, what can a stupid person handle? And then I'll get it out. And how can we oh, fool I'm them? Too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not kidding. <laughs> Hello. This is your inner psyche. You've done a good job making the decision to listen to this podcast. But keep in mind one thing. The thoughts and opinions of John Hansel do not necessarily reflect the thoughts and opinions of Hexen Cube or any of the other members of the Hex and Cube podcast. Now back to the show. I think another one, too, is a lot of non-gamers don't want to sit and listen to you explain rules. Oh, absolutely. So I I think mostly non-gamer I play with is my wife. Um, which uh-huh. I'm sure some of these guys could probably relate to, yep. but yeah. she yep. wants, so games I can teach quickly. It doesn't necessarily have to be super easy because she can figure it out, but yeah, it's definitely got to be something quick because it'll lose her attention pretty easy. So um, Ticket to Ride is one she really enjoys. I think Classic. it's just uh, easy to teach. It's not super complicated, but it does take some thought. So she likes that. And then she and theme is important too because we play Villainous oh, yeah. a lot too, so she loves the Disney theme. So we've been playing that quite a bit. For uh, for Ticket to Ride, I would even say the the newer titles they're releasing now in the little boxes, uh, Ticket to Ride London, Ticket to Ride New York. New York. I think they have more coming out now here, but um, those are so great because I agree with you, Mike. Ticket to Ride is such a great game as an introductory game, and those allow you to play in 30 minutes or less, 20 yeah. minutes even. So like you said, when time's important and explaining the rules and the gameplay are both factors of time, yeah. it's quick to explain, it's quick to play, but you get the full experience. You feel like you've played a full game of Ticket to Ride when you get done with these little, you know, these little yeah. boards. And as, 
as a gamer, I don't hate it, which is good. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, yeah, sometimes you try to play games with people that you might not like just so they will play a game with you. <laughs> <laughs> like Uno. Like Uno. <laughs> yeah. Uno. Fate. Oh, my word. Well, that was the one I was just going to say, so. <laughs> Stole your thunder. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, what? Yeah, Joel, what do you got? Uh, I actually, I have been um so you were playing Lord of the Rings. So that yeah, was cool. I did play Lord of the Rings with the wife. Yeah, she just likes Lord of the Rings, though, so that's why she played it. Nice. No, so I, that, that actually is, to Mike's yeah, point, the, yeah, that theme. theme, I think, is is really yeah. important uh, for non-gamers. And we're, yeah. I'm speaking in generalities, yeah, of course. If that game wasn't but, a Disney game, she probably wouldn't want to play it. Yeah. yeah. So. Or if exactly. you don't like sushi, you're not going to touch sushi, guys. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> that's fair. That's a true story. Well, people who don't like sushi are communists. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's a good point. No, no, I've actually, I've actually had a lot of good luck with Carcassonne, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so simple and easy to teach, and I've taught it now at my game club at the high school, and I've introduced it to my family. And both times, they're all like, "What is this? This box looks stupid." Blah blah blah. But once they start playing, it's actually, it's really fun just to see people get excited with a simple worker placement kind of deal. Mm. It's what'd you call it? it? Is a worker placement, right? It's one of the first. Workers. It's tile laying, but it has a little bit of that yeah. worker placement feel to it. Yeah. It's weird, yeah. It's like a mix between area worker control. placement and area control. Yeah, yeah that's like yeah. farming. I don't even know if I would call but it worker not. placement because you. It's, I guess it kind of it kind of has yeah, that. That's what they call it. They yeah. do, yeah. In the rule book, but, they call it farming. And then on the side, of, uh, a lot of the button shy games I've been having a lot mm. with, like okay. surprisingly, Tessie Mussy, which I just got from the Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and um sprawlopolis like they're just super easy to teach and they always want to play more than once i've been seeing a lot of buzz for sprawlopolis yeah. on twitter lately really like people like i swear in the last week i saw like 20 different posts people just post about that game like daily challenges it's a cooperative game and they'll post a, a challenge of the day for you to try to meet so really? That's part of it, I think. Oh, okay. Awesome. Uh, nice. It fits inside of a little wallet, too. So portable yeah, that's why they're great. Yeah. yeah, yeah 18, those... They're all 18 cards, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of those that would work really well at a restaurant. That's a big... Yeah. A big use for button-shy games. A lot of people will carry them around, and while they're waiting for their server, they'll... Well, what's the one we tested? Um, the bubble... It looks like a stick of... A pack of bubble gum. Oh yeah, Hugh. Hugh. That's those uh, pack of pack of pack of yeah something pack or other of games or I don't know. Yeah, those yeah. Are, yeah, that was actually that was surprisingly that was, fun too. It's that was like really cool. when you can get a simple game that you can just whip out and just teach in no time and yeah. What what are you laughing at, <laughs> Kyle? What? Yeah, um, no, he uh, went there. Yeah, yeah, he went yeah. straight yeah. to El You guys. <laughs> No, Button Shy is great. Circle the Wagons is another one. That's, oh, I love yeah. Circle the Wagons. That's another great one. There's a, there's a handful. Of another, yeah, yeah, that was the one we played. I was another trying to think game, of what the wall game was we played. Another game that I've had success with is uh, King of Tokyo. Mm. Yeah. Still haven't played that. Is that what you were thinking? Well, I have that on my sheet. Uh, that was one of the things I had mentioned, variants of other games. So anytime you can oh, get a yeah. game out and say, have you played Yahtzee? Yep. And everybody at the table has probably played Yahtzee. You're like, this is basically Yahtzee. Yep. So it makes it easy to teach in that way. So that's one that I've had, especially with uh, play with my fifth grade students. They like King of Tokyo, and they play Yahtzee, so it's really easy there to teach. You go. And it's especially great when you're able to add in some of the like little mini expansions and stuff, because yep. some of those expansions add really cool things, like the special powers and yeah. whatever. Uh, so so that's fun. And I mean, it's like you said, it's Yahtzee, which I, like 
that's a game that I would try to avoid personally. <laughs> but because of the other aspects of the game and the direction in which King of Tokyo takes that mechanism, uh, I can I can tolerate it. And it plays fairly quickly depending on if people know what they're doing or not. If people if it takes a while for them to get kind of the some of the nuances of the game, then it might take longer than what it should. But it generally is a, a fairly quick playing game too, so I can handle some copious amounts of luck if it plays really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Might play Machi Koro too. I yeah. I forgot about that. Yep, that's another it's good one. Kind of similar with Ticket to Ride and explaining the rules and the gameplay. It doesn't yeah. take that super long. So. Yeah. I've had some good luck with some racing games. Um, Flamme Rouge is probably my favorite racing game or it's up towards the top. And um, that's a really great one. It's basically a bicycle uh, race. Um, Tour de France is the theme. And you control a team of two bicyclists, and you have a deck for each one, and you're doing deck deconstruction rather than deck building. And that simulates your exhaustion. So as you go through the race, you're spending your good cards, or you're not spending your good cards, and you're saving them for later. And you're trying to maneuver around the other cyclists on the course and um, navigate hills, and they slow you down when you're going up them, and they speed you up when you're going down. And it, it feels really thematic. It's simple, quick to teach. It's fairly quick to play. It supports... Um, I think 6 to 12 players, if you play with one cyclist each, it actually could play up to 12 players. I haven't done that, but 6 players with the expansion. Um, so it's a pretty versatile game. And Downforce is a really a really great racing game as well. That's another one. That's a Wolfgang Kramer uh, Restoration Games redid that recently. And um, again, when you're talking about aesthetics, it looks awesome. Both of these games, they just look really great. They have nice table presence. Um, they're they're card-based you know card based, um, for movement. Um, and, and just, they're simple to get, enjoyable, fairly quick. Yeah. Awesome. Now, Kyle disagrees with me on this one, uh, but the mind is one that I, oh, I love the mind. Yeah. Had tons of success with the mind. Phenomenal. Uh, love the I mind. think a lot of communic, I think communication style games appeal to non-gamers. Like, um, they do. The mind and Hanabi. Medium. Medium are just. Is that why uh, you don't like it? I just, yeah. He doesn't I, like looking at people. When it's no, no, I don't. <laughs> Games that you look play at the board. Or Kyle's favorites. <laughs> or with the lights off. I mean, either or on. Yeah, it's or actually on. better if they're on. But anyways, yeah. So. Oh, was that all? Was that? All? <laughs> That's it. That was it for communication your mind? style games. Yeah, yeah. that names. is pretty much all. Code names is classic. About the mind, actually. Yeah, code names is a communication <laughs> style. Well, the mind. You'd be surprised. I played. Oh, with, I would not be surprised. I played with people that are really good at the mind. Like our, our No, they year. are not. We. No one is good the at game. the mind. I played with people that are like. Sometimes it happens, like, Kyle. Doctors and they're terrible. They're terrible at the mind, and it, it, it can be. Yeah, I played with this uh, doctor a couple of times, and he is. No idea. Penmanship I mean, just, and the mind. Yeah. Just <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. So I, there's something to it. I, I don't know. Maybe you need to play it more. But No, no joke. The second time the second time <laughs> I played that with my eight-year-old daughter, at the time she was eight, the second time I played it with her, we beat the whole thing. We went, we went all the way through level 12. And I've played it with my wife. I've played it with other adults. I've played it with other kids. And... Just we have this connection. She gets it. Nice. She understands the game, and so I agree with you, John. That that some people get it more than others, and it's it's fun as you see that on both sides of the table, yourself, your perspective, and your opponent or your cooperative opponent's perspective. You you 
collectively get it more and more as you play together too. Yeah. Like that relationship, that dynamic is evolved. Your yeah. souls connect. <clears throat> you they do. It's another game where I have we have stories. Remember in the mind? Like it creates. Remember when we bonded? Crowd. Yeah. Yeah, my story is. Remember, hey, remember when we when became we, one? Remember when we remember played when... the mind and then I never wanted to play it again and it was stupid. <laughs> Who did you play? How many times have you played the mind? Technically four times. Just like in one sitting. Yeah, in one sitting. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I I I, I mean know, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't bust it out with you guys, but I yeah, yeah. if I'm at if well, I'm you, at home. You showed or, it to me at the con. That's okay, all maybe I, was, I would, but I actually I actually would agree with you though. You already that, forgot, I thought we bonded. We did. We <laughs> yes, had a great experience. You guys' souls did not connect. <laughs> I remember playing Justine. They probably did terrible. No, Justine came and yeah. played. I remember. I agree with you though that I, I think it would be a good a good game for non gamers. I think that it is but you don't interesting. I just don't per like that wouldn't be a game that I would introduce Bring, to non gamers yeah. because of my own personal I just didn't have fun. With you have it. to like it too. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. true. And that's, that's true. the what the topic of tonight was there you was go. games that we like to yeah. play with non gamers. Yeah. So does anybody have anything else they want to add? No. Any other games we want to mention? I would just say any other game that exists would be would that, be great. Yeah. Fine. I mean, obviously, yeah. If you're listening to this. You know, find whatever whatever <laughs> game works with uh, your group, the group that you're going to be playing with. These are just some of our suggestions, some of the games that we enjoy. So hopefully that's helpful to you. Maybe these are some games that you never thought about busting out with a, a group of non-gamers. Or One other thing I would add is just that a lot of times um, I think that there are great opportunities to, to play games with non-gamers who are kids. And a lot of times mm. giving them that insight into what a great game can be that we maybe didn't have in our childhoods. And, and when we finally kind of discovered that there were choices in games or that there was actual fun to be had in, in board games, um, giving those opportunities to kids so that they can kind of discover the hobby at an earlier age is a really cool thing. And and Haba games are pretty well known for being solid games for younger kids anywhere from age two to, you know, five, six, seven, eight and up. Uh, but we have a handful on our shelves. I think most of you guys here do as well. And Yeah, don't um, even bother with what's the what's like the mass market is it Hasbro. Hasbro or Milton Bradley or whoever it is that don't even bother with those guys. Just go Haba. Is, Get Dragon's Breath. Yeah, mm -hmm. Haba's all you need really for, especially like younger. Or Uno. Young. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's so great to have a, a handful of those, you know, a couple of those on hand. To be able to introduce to kids who are non-gamers yep. as a way to kind of get them interested in the hobby. And I think a lot of times one one other thing and, and I unless did you have something you wanted to add? Well I just had another game. You can cut this out completely, I'm fine with that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, uh, what, what, but another got? another game I've sold three copies of is a game called Strike. Okay. And Strike is a dice game, you just get a bunch of dice and the box actually serves as the board. It's this little arena and you roll dice into the arena, you throw dice into the arena, and you can actually throw your dice into the dice that are already there. When you make a match you take the dice that match out of the arena and they go to your pool of dice uh, and then it goes to the next player's turn. But when you are out of dice, so the choice in that game is I decide, I have to roll one die. Uh, if I make a match, my turn is over. If I don't, I can decide to roll another die. And so that's the, the choice that you have. Um, you play the odds, you pass to the next player, but that game is a hit, it's a hit because it only takes about three or four minutes to go through a round of it. Mm. And there's not a lot of choices in it, but it's always a, it's a good time. So oh. that's one I would recommend. Uh, Strike is, it's never let me down. 
It's awesome. another one that's easy to play if you have a handful of dice. You just grab something you to could, throw in. Yeah, basically in the the game version, the X's, ones are X's, and X's come out of the box. Uh, they come out of the game altogether when you roll an X. So you can just say, hey, get a bunch of dice in the bowl, and ones are X's, and you can play that game. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, one other last thing, final thought uh, on the topic for tonight. I think a lot of times... We as gamers, because we love the hobby so much, when we're playing with non-gamers, we have almost this kind of missionary mentality or this conversion mentality where, like, we, we just really want these people to become gamers. Like, that's... And maybe, not, that's, maybe that's not necessarily the, the mentality of this group specifically, but I think in general, just from other gamers that I know and what I see on social media and stuff, that, like... People are like hoping that this is in fact a gateway into the hobby. They want to be evangelists. Totally exactly. And I don't I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, because if you love something, you want other people to love yeah. it too, right? But I also have come to like a realization that like you don't you don't need need to do that. Like it's okay that they don't they're not into games. No, it's absolutely okay that you need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I learned like, that recently too. That's the same. Yeah. And, but that's why I think it's important to find games that you actually like to play that they also like to play. Mm. Because gaming, regardless of how deep other people get into the hobby, gaming just in general, I think is a great thing to do with people. Yeah. So it's, I, I think it's really meaningful and important to find those games that work well for you with the groups of non-gamers that are in your life. But you don't need to go in and like convert them. If they do convert, great. But you know, if they and don't, you don't need to like. Sorry, we can't hang out. If you're having a hard time converting them, just play Crusaders with them. Exactly. <laughs> Conquer them instead. Physical. Yeah, murder them. <laughs> History repeats itself. That's great. That's great. So our topic, which so I think this is going to be a trend, and and I think I'm going to continue to do it this way, is not tell the guys what the topic is going to be. For the next episode until the current episode. Does that sound fun, guys? I like it. <laughs> it sounds great. I like it. Let's it's not it. like you're put on the spot and you have to like come up with stuff <laughs> right now. So but our topic for the next podcast is going to be some of our favorite publishing companies <gasps> and why yes. and why we like them. What are some what are some things that they are doing that we really appreciate? Uh, and and some of the games that they've put out and why why we like them. Is it a good sign that I'm so tantalized by these topics that I just want to just start recording the next? <laughs> yeah, let's podcast just start right, right now. now. Let's just start right now. I think that is a good thing. Hasbro. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Anything with candy in the title. Yeah. <laughs> if you can pull something wet out of something else and make a, and make a game out of it. I, I I'm down with that. If right? you can if you can oh. attach is isn't that, isn't that like most No 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 isn't that like most of the games that are coming out? It's like you either have to like put something in your mouth or you have to like yeah. reach into something put and you don't some know what's in there. Contraction Dude, on your head. Yeah, like yeah. the wet dog what? thing or whatever. I haven't even heard of the, the, the game with the toilet that squirts the poo yeah. up in the air. Y'all need to y'all need to go to Walmart and check out the games that that they're selling for kids. They're ridiculous. Think, I don't think I do. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so that's our topic for next time. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me tonight. 
Thank you. It was a good time. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Uh, hopefully some or all of you can make it uh, next time. Oh, I'll be here. <laughs> good, good. And thank you listeners for joining us. Uh, I would love it if you went on the blog, hexandcube.com, commented on, on some of the articles there. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Connect with me on there. T- let me know what you think of the podcast. Uh, any thoughts that you have, any ideas that you have for us. Whatever platform you are listening to this on, go ahead and, and give us a, a rating or a review or however that platform allows you to give your thoughts on a podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, we just, we, we're thankful that you joined us. Hopefully you had a good time and we will see you next time. And we will see you at the Lakes Area Game Fest. We will. January 4th and 5th. Boom. Hey, yo. LakesAreaGameFest.com. Lakes Area Game Fest. Lakes Area Game Fest. <laughs> Lakes Area Game Fest. <laughs>